Hey friends. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about grief and loss and it came at a time we were really starting to, as a country, be able to visibly recognize what has been going on with race and especially in the church. And here, as you know, on Chronically Cultivating, we are a faith-based podcast. And today I am so excited to be able to introduce you to a new friend of mine, um, but someone that I've looked up to for a long time and really just talk about racial reconciliation, not just in the church, but as a chronic illness community. We are a community that is constantly having people assume what we need or think that they know what we mean or how we feel. And we want to make sure as a community that we are actively working to be just as inclusive to other people as we are to each other. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. Hey friends, I'm Cassie, and I'm a married Spoonie who lives the chronic illness life. Here each week, I'll challenge you to live intentionally and authentically, where every spoon you use has a purpose and every step you take matters. Welcome to Chronically Cultivating. All right. So friends, I am so excited to introduce you to Pastor Tom Hughes. He is a good friend of my dad's who I've known from living in Fitchburg. He is a pastor at New Creation Community Church. He is a part of the Three Pyramids Minority Coalition. He has just been a great influence in not only the town of Fitchburg, but in how we are moving things forward. So Pastor Tom, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much, Cassie, for having me. I'm so excited this opportunity just to sit and just talk you know what i mean uh not, not just talk but to also understand mm-hmm. you know uh, both perspectives so i'm really excited yeah and i had reached out to you a few weeks ago via email because you know i had been sitting and thinking about all of this and i'm very fortunate that i was raised in a family where you know my dad is very involved in multicultural ministry and i'm so grateful for those opportunities Something that I really connected to was that I had heard from a lot of people that it was just like, don't assume what I need. Don't assume what I need you to hear. Don't tell me that you understand how I'm feeling. And that was the kind of a light bulb moment um, because the amount of people that with the best of intentions have come to me to tell me they totally understand they twisted their ankle once and totally know what it's like for an ankle dislocation to happen or they had the worst headache last night and that must be the same as me having a sublux like that affects my neck and whatnot. And I know it's coming from a good place, but it's not what I need to hear in that moment. I need them to just listen. And I think that's something that we want to be able to bring and just discuss today because just like we want to be listened to, we want to make sure we're also listening to others. There's a kind of a quote that I carry with me that I learned from a former pastor of mine his name was Bishop Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, before I became a pastor, he said, listening is not waiting to speak. You know what I mean? Making sure that we put on our listening ears and being able to, one part of listening is being able to process what is being said to you. Like you said, not always feeling like we got to be ready to give an answer. Uh, because I, I think our, our nature is, if we see a person in pain or going through something, our nature is we have to help. We have to get in. We have to do something. We have to try to connect with them some type of way. And so what happens is some people try and bring their experience into your experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 and, that, and that's just because we have, this, we have a similar experience 
doesn't mean we have the same experience. To kind of understand that, you know, that's only understood through dialogue and, and, and allowing the other individual to express the way they feel and to validate the way they feel without trying to put myself in their shoes. That's one of the biggest issues around the racial issue. We're not asking anyone to put themselves in our shoes. You know, we're simply asking, let's understand this and, and hear what I'm saying. So if you hear what I'm saying, and if you hear it from my heart, then you, you know, I, I think it's a better opportunity to kind of understand what I'm saying. It's so funny you say that because not even two episodes ago, we talked about the power of presence and just, you know, even the fact of making sure when we're with somebody, we aren't on our phones and, you know, we're presently there. And something that, you know, we've talked about on the podcast before has just been, you know, like, there are times that I won't even respond to an email or even open it if I know I can't give my full attention. I'm trying to not multitask anymore. That's my new thing. I don't want to multitask, right? Because like my attention can't fully be there. And right. I find that conversations that I have where it's almost where you let that awkward silence sit there for a minute and you just listen. You can just stop and leave it where it is and just give that person a second to think. Because if someone responds sometimes, super, super fast. I almost wondered, did you hear what I fully said? Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and that can be really frustrating. And I know from what we've dealt with in the chronic illness community of being very unheard and unseen in a lot of ways for something that we can't control and to have people constantly with the best of intentions. And I really do mean that because I know that when people is exactly what you said, they're trying to connect with you. They're trying to make you feel validated, but right. it somehow along the way invalidates you in a way. Absolutely, yeah. And we know that they mean well. Like you said, they have the best of intentions, but sometimes when it happens, you know, almost too quick, you know, they almost finish a sentence for you, <laughs> you know, because it's almost like, okay, I, I, I know what to say. I know what they want to hear. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say it. And it's really not what we want to hear. And we don't even want a solution from you. You know what I mean? You know, it, it's a time of, of listening and understanding. And so when we, when we do more listening, someone said, that's why we have two ears and one mouth, you know, <laughs> to, you know, to listen, you know, to listen twice as much as we, as we speak. Uh, so in order to kind of process what an individual is feeling, not saying what, it, what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Then we can, okay, now ask the question, what do you need from me? How can I be of support? How can I be of assistance? Even when I'm working with someone of a different culture, of a different race, of a different gender or whatever, I kind of pride myself in asking questions. Okay, how can I be of assistance? What do you need from me? Because they might not need anything from me, but if they don't get a chance to answer that, you know, instead of me saying, well, here's what I do. This is what I think you should do. This is what I think you should handle this. You know, that's not what they're asking. But I was not able to hear that because I was too busy trying to formulate my own ideas, my own blueprint for how I think you feel or, or, or my own way of trying to get you out of the way you feel. I think that, that has a lot to do. We just, just have this, this God need of, you know, when we see somebody, you know, if you see your brother or sister need, the scripture always pops out. If you see your brother in need and you shut up your bowels of compassion and how dwelleth the love of God in you. You know what I mean? But that's a, you know, always trying to put yourself in someone else's experience doesn't mean validation. Mm -hmm. 
Does it make sense? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking about this. So we have a joke in our family. Um, we'll hear someone say why they're saying no to something. For instance, um, give an example from this weekend. We got rid of our pool and we put a long time ago, mind you, not recently. And we had finally like built a new railing to the deck so that, you know, you wouldn't fall off because there's no pool there anymore. It was so funny. And I know she wouldn't mind me sharing it, so I'll say it. So Katie was basically like, you know, this would be a great summer for a pool and was just going on and on about all of this. We were explaining to her why we don't have the pool anymore. And she goes, so what I'm hearing is that you need help taking down the railing. So we have just this ongoing joke in our family of when we hear someone tell us the reason of no, we just go, so what I'm hearing, right. and we flip it back on them. And what I think is so great and also so hard with social media is that we don't see everything. And I think it's exactly what you were saying of just people want to help. You see someone in need, you want to help them. You actively, like as someone of faith, that is what you want to do. You are called to do that. You are instructed by God mm -hmm. to help other people. And I love to know if this is happening for the community in general, but I know something that happens a lot in the chronic illness community is the amount of times that I've been told, well, have you tried yoga? Have you, um, have you had enough turmeric in your diet? Do you eat kale, celery juice? Cause like, you know, that fixed everything for my son's goldfish who was going through a problem, you know, like it's literally <laughs> just like, I'm like, where are you getting all this information from? If I could have cured this illness with kale, I would have done it by now. And, <laughs> you know, people, it goes from not even just thinking for you, right. but to not listening to the point that they're there's such an invalidation of just saying, well, here's what you should just do. And it's right. like, well, it's not that easy. And I don't know if that's something that, especially with social media, right. you're experiencing as well, just in the community of it's not even just we want to help, but there's an invalidation of saying, well, just do this instead. Right. Well, it's, it's almost like, you know, they've already wrote the blueprint for step-by-step -step instructions. <laughs> you know, let's talk about the George Floyd situation. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a step-by-step. -step. Well, if he hasn't been at the store, if he hadn't had the 20 bucks, if he hadn't had all of these things, you know, we already got this plan laid out to what we think that would have avoided the entire situation. Well, you, you can't say that yeah. because, you know, you can't say if, if you didn't do this, then this is the outcome. You I mean, you can't always say that. Like, you, you can't say, oh, because you don't take care, then, well, this could be the outcome. Mm -hmm. You know, well, you don't, you know, there's, there's tons of things in between start and finish yep. that we're not even privy to. You know what I mean? And, and some things we are privy to, but we refuse to understand it. We refuse to even discuss it. We refuse to even, number one, admit, you know, there is an issue. The first thing we do, instead of admitting there's an issue, the first thing we do is want to fix it before we admit it. And you can't fix something if you don't admit that, that it exists. And just like with racism in society, it first has to be, you have to admit that there is a problem and no don't try to tell me that you know you have to no unless you're able to admit there's a problem you cannot put a solution on a problem that you cannot admit to mm -hmm. you know what i mean and 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 uh well I, I was listening to another interview the other day uh and he said well we don't have that problem in our town well just because you don't have it doesn't mean it doesn't exist mm -hmm. you know what i mean so just because if someone doesn't have uh, a chronic illness doesn't mean they don't exist yes People need to, I think that's one of the things that we as individuals need to understand. And once we understand that, not trying to 
minimize or trying to put things into a little circle, a little bubble to where we can understand. That's just me going. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's so important because I think, you know, I've, I've said for a really long time that I believe that social media is a great ministry tool. Oh, I think that yeah. it is something, you know, just like at the time when there were radios and there were pastors that did sermons and that were on there, it was like, you can't be participating. And that's like, why? That's a tool that God has given me right, to right. share him. But I think the biggest problem is that we're overloaded with information all the time on a general everyday basis. Even if there was no controversy at the moment that was highlighted, there's always so much information, so many opinions, so many things to say and hear and listen to. And I think what's hard is sometimes we get stuck into looking things at face value. And we totally, like you were saying with that situation, there's a lot from start to finish that happens behind the scenes that you don't see on camera. Right. Because that's just not how life works. Right, right. And that was kind of where like I was even just thinking of that of just being like, you know, we've got to be careful that we don't take things just at face. My parents always encouraged me in the word to be like, Don't take my word that God says this. Like you need to go and know that God says this because yeah, it's great that you know someone else said it, but that doesn't mean it's true. Right. You know, we right. have to make sure we're going deeper. Right, right, absolutely. And that and that only comes through listening. You know what I mean? And then a, a person that has a, your best interest will say, well, here's one thing. Educate yourself on it. Go do your own research. And then come back to me. And then what we can do is we can sit down together and we can go through it and see if, if we still have that, you know what I mean, situation. So uh, even, you know, people, this, this, no, this doesn't happen. This is not the way it is. Well, the numbers don't lie. <laughs> That's one thing about it. Data does not lie. And it tells, if they're taking accurate data, and sometimes that's even skewed, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, you, you know, you have to say, well, these are your numbers now. I didn't put these out there. These are your numbers. And so saying, that, oh, no, no, no. Well, now you're telling me the numbers are not accurate. Are you telling me that this is totally not happening? Uh, well, that's we, well, we know that's a lot, <laughs> you know. So for us to put, try, and, try and do, uh, let me use this word, role reversal. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I'm a reverse role and put myself in your shoes. And that should give me a better understanding of how you, like, really? Like, come on. <laughs> you know, like a simulator almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like I saw one thing where these husbands who it was, you know, taking their, their, their wives who was expecting uh, for granted. And so the husband were required to put on this fake belly or whatever to simulate the weight the mothers were carrying around. I have seen and, that. And the, guys, and the guys are like, oh, I can't handle it. But it's still not the same. Because at the end, when that exercise is over, they get to take it off. <laughs> and it's a great tool for perspective to, right, take, right. to say, oh, this just gives me a bit closer of an understanding. There you go. Still not the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's the issue. It, you know, people want to take the, uh, the education and make it the same thing. And it's not the same thing. Education is meant to inform us so that we can have a better understanding of if we are asked to help, then we have a better understanding of what's been asked of. Something that you had really said that was so important um, when just talking about listening is it's also that question of just saying, what do you need and not assuming what that person needs. I can pretty much count on one hand the amount of times that someone has actually given me the opportunity to tell them what I need rather than telling me what I need. And I'll never forget there was a church event that I was at. I was sitting down and a really 
amazing woman uh, from our church had come up to me and she said, hey, I don't know if you need anything. I don't even know if you need any help, but if you need something or want me, I'll be right over there. Mm. And there was no, I, I just, I couldn't even focus on the conference the rest of the day because I was so dumbfounded because mm. I, I never hear that. But I think what's hard too, and this is where I would love to know how you're feeling about this. You know, when I had a chronic illness, I did not sign some form that said, I will answer every single person's question. I'm responsible for educating every single person on every little thing. <laughs> and it's hard because I want to be able to give educational tools, but there are days where, you know, because people seem to have no problem asking you questions when you're in a wheelchair. It's ridiculous. You can't go anywhere without some, which thankfully quarantine, I haven't dealt with that in a while. But beforehand, people would just love to ask and I'd either get assumptions or someone would flat out just be like, oh my gosh, what on earth happened to you? And there are days where I have the energy and I'll take a breath and I'll just be like, I'll say something short or I'll give a shorter explanation. But then there are those days where I have been pushed or I am out and I am trying to solely enjoy just being out of my house doing something normal. And mm. I do not want to answer anyone's question. And there have right. been times that I've answered very rudely and I've just been like, it's a progressive chronic illness. I'm going to live with it. I'm not getting better. And just literally like, because I don't, I don't want to educate somebody because it's, I'm just like, just look it up. Right. Like you see on my social media, I have EDS. I have all the resources for you on the website. You have Google at your fingertips 24 seven, but right. it's that balance of giving resources, but also saying, well, there are some questions that I have that I'm not finding from the resources. And I think there's a difference. And I'd like to imagine there's that feeling because I had even seen a post where someone was like, here are all the questions to not ask people of color right now. Right. And I remember being, I could see where on that side of things where they were coming from, of it's just, we're tired of constantly having to explain something to you that you can look up. But right. it's also a perspective thing. I don't know if you have any yeah. thoughts on all of that. Well, the, the other thing too, you know, you, you've explained it over and over and over again. And it, it, it seems like the same people are coming asking the same question. I'm pretty sure you're the same person I talked to last week. You know what I mean? About this. All of the resources and everything now is extremely difficult for someone to say, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm going to, you know, you go look it up for yourself. The facts are there. You know what I mean? The resources are there. And what people don't want to do is we don't want to go educate ourselves on different situations, different issues. And so therefore we, we end up speaking out of ignorance. You know, like if I don't educate myself regarding your chronic illness, now I'm gonna automatically assume this is what you need. You know what I mean? Now, you know, sometimes it's just mean, oh, keep going. She doesn't need anything. You know what I mean? She doesn't need you to kneel down beside her and, and, and rub her arms. Oh, you know what I mean? That. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what I mean? People think that they always, you know, what's getting me now is, uh, all the organizations. Oh, Juneteenth is going to be a holiday. We're going to give it off to you. We didn't. Why all of a sudden, hundred years later, we're going to make this? Uh, why? Like you, you don't. We don't need any of this. You know, because that doesn't fix the issue. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fix the issues. It's, it's almost like, well, we're gonna we're gonna do this for you, and, and almost like quiet you down a little bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in the wheelchair. So I'm gonna roll you over close to the door so it quiets you down a little bit. You know what I mean? It's almost like giving you, you know, trying to pass you off something. So they don't really have to hear the real issue. It makes me think of the kale thing we were talking about. It'd be like, okay, well, try a kale diet and then we'll talk again. 
(laughs) You know, like that's what it made me think of when you said that, of this being like, that is something that is being thrown as this will fix everything. But you're like, this may, okay, but like, that's not the root of what we need. Right, right, exactly, absolutely. We've been discussing, and I know that I was really like, there are so many verses that have been used Mm -hmm. to discuss about how as a church we should bring about racial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And I had posted a couple weeks ago, I think it was, you know, about Black Lives Matter. And I was telling you the story earlier, and Mm -hmm. it was something where I had gotten some comments from people that were very surprised. And it actually was not a Christian reasoning of why am I saying that. It was from the disability side of things, of hearing, Mm -hmm. well, you of all people should know that all lives matter. Like you're in a marginalized group of, you know, like you're high, you're technically disabled, which is a minority. And I've personally never identified in that way, mm-hmm. but I recognize that it's there. And so when I had heard that and someone was really just like, hey, like this is why you're wrong. It got me thinking and I came across, um, and I don't know if he was the original person that came up with it, but Jared Price had come out with a tweet and he was really explaining this and it was very helpful for me as i will say back in i think 2014 2016 was that i think when the black lives movement matter like i remember very much going well all lives matter and i was very confused and just not knowing how i thought and so when this was oh my goodness was being brought back to the surface of our social media i thought of it very differently after again taking that time to research and look at things And we were discussing about Luke 15 and about this concept. For those that don't know this chapter, in this chapter, Jesus gives a parable. And he's talking about how, you know, a shepherd left their flock to go and find the one sheep that was missing out of the whole 99. And the way that Jared Price had explained it was it wasn't that Jesus didn't care about the rest of the 99. Him going after that one sheep did not invalidate, minimize, or make almost a forgotten essence of the rest of the 99, but he went to the one that needed help right now. It was an Mm. imminent, this is what happens because he couldn't care about the whole flock until the whole flock was safe. And that's how I've really thought of this. And just, you know, we've got to understand the Black Lives Matter movement is not to be divisive. I, at least in my opinion, I feel like it is to show that there is still division. Right. To highlight that there is still a problem. You know what I mean? And for us to say uh, as a community, as a country, uh, as a society, that there's no problem, which means, you know, to say that there is a problem, you know? And so, you know, when when we talk about these important issues, and I like how you, you brought out how Jesus is dealing with this subject and not even caring about what was going on. Why, why did the one got lost? Not even, that's not the issue. Yep. That, that was never the issue. The issue was he loved that one the same way he loved the 99. And so to show that he loved the one, you're still important to me. Well, right now, this one's lost. And I need to do what I need to do to get this one back into the fold. And I like how when Jesus talked about us being one. You know, he said, Father, I pray that they're one as you and I are one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so uh, just talking about our love toward one another and our concern toward one another and not saying, oh, you don't have a right to feel like that. You know, you're just whining and you're just doing this. Because I, I deal with that a lot. You know, uh, oh, now you're playing the race card. You said it because he's black. You know, like, why is that a joke? 
You know what I mean? Why why is it, you know, it, it, you crack, you know, you laugh about it, but to me, it's really striking a nerve. You know, why is it that I'm told if I apply for the job for the fifth time, keep getting looked over by, you know, my Caucasian counterpart, you know, who is less qualified and you tell me I'm playing the race card. Well, you told me I need to qualify for this job. I need A, B, C, and D. So, but you hire someone less qualified. So, you know, and then to tell me, oh, you're just using that. That says there is a deep rooted problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? That doesn't want to be acknowledged. Well, and I think there's a sense of even this has been a time of real just perspective change. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've had to really sit down and I had a really good friend that we were chatting and we've always been very honest and we are the kind of people that we want to ask uncomfortable questions. We believe that change happens with uncomfortable questions. And I was asked the question, how have you played a part in all of this? And my immediate response, oh my, I've never played a part. Right. You because know, it's that immediate what like the defense like, come no. up you get a, you right get yeah your, your hands go up and you're like oh, whoa that was uncalled for but i think when i took a second they were very gracious with me they 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 knew it was kind of coming that right. would be my immediate and i sat there for a second and i really started thinking and it was again they left that uncomfortable silence because they didn't also go oh no i didn't mean to offend you they didn't excuse the question they didn't minimize the question they were asking mm. they were just like they gave me a second to actually think it through mm. and it was just like oh well i i've seen videos of things that have happened and i felt bad and prayed for them but i've never publicly talked about it or said that was wrong right, right. oh i've this that the other thing and you start thinking and you realize i am responsible and Mm. it's not that i am solely responsible but and i'm not actively against something but if you're not for something you're also not against something you have you have to be on a side it's you know jesus talks about like that lukewarm christian of like be here or not here there's no room for that lukewarm and i feel like it's the same Mm And we have to be able to just say, we did make a mistake and we're sorry. And how can we move forward? Right. The other thing too, on, on our part is, you know, individuals shouldn't have to keep apologizing for the same thing, you know, and, and, you know, but if they, if they say, forgive me, then how many times the scriptures, how many times you shall forgive them? You know what I mean? Then it started, you know, seven and seven times. So that's to make a point. Like every time they ask for forgiveness, then you ought to forgive them, even if it's for the same offense. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, so there in, in our part is to, because there's some people that, nope, we're not accepting no apologies. Apologies are fake. They're not changing. They're not changing. Well, we can't, that's not our responsibility, especially in the body of Christ. It's not my responsibility as, uh, as, a, as a brother of yours to judge whether or not your apology is sincere or not. But you actually, you have the right to be cautiously optimistic. Right, 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 like, right. Like, I don't blame anyone for being cautiously optimistic about saying we're really not sure what this is because it takes time for us to actually see growth. Like, I'm a huge gardener. It is my favorite hobby. And the time that it takes from a seed to go to a flower is sometimes 180 days. And I don't doubt that that seed is growing. I'm not going to just say, oh, it's going to be perfectly bloomed because I can't guarantee that it's actually going to end up there. And we have to give that time to see those things and be cautiously optimistic. And like, and I don't fault anyone for that, but on the same sense for those of us in the white community that may say we did not 
actively think we were playing a part in what was going on and we will do our best to fix it now that we've seen it. Right. It's not there. And I think it's so hard um, because, you know, we think about things and we always put ourselves at the center. And I had read a book this past year um, called Free of Me. And it, it went through all these different ways from not just the church, but to individual relationships and everything about how we make everything about us. Mm-hmm. And we think that every single thing that someone says on social media was indirectly directed at us. And there are so many times that we see posts and we're like, was that written like about me? Were they like indirectly calling me out? Yeah. And I think about that too, is that like when the question is asked, how have you played a part mm-hmm. in what got us here today? I am able to look back on that conversation and say that wasn't directed at me. That was, she was not throwing shade at mm-hmm. me. It wasn't about me. That's the whole entire point. It was not about me. The question was not about me at right. all. It well, had to do with me, but it wasn't about me. Right. And that's why people answer, well, I'm not like that, you know, and hands go up, you know, because I got to defend myself. Now, you, you, you know, you're talking about me because now you're, 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 you're attacking my character. And God knows I, I'm, I'm not like, no, we're not talking. It's not a direct attack on you. It's just a, it's a general question that needs to be asked. And it's a tough question. And how many people really like to answer tough questions? None of us like to answer tough questions because it takes time. You're like, you got to go back and reflect. You'll be like, and the first thing comes out of uh, my mouth, well, that was kind of rude. Why would they ask me that? You know what I mean? But then, you, you know, that's where the love of God comes in and our, the shut have brought in our heart. Gives us an opportunity to take a step back and process what's being said, what's been asked of us, or what's been required of us, and give us a chance to, let it play through because it got to go through mind, body, and soul. <laughs> it's just don't, you don't hit it and go through my ears and automatically, you know, some people, they, they, they gifted like that. But for me, you know, it's got to go through this, especially my first inclination is I got to put up a defense. You know what I mean? It's an attack on me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's an attack on how I feel my character or where I stand. So now I'm definitely learning to don't answer right away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The Bible said be slow to speak. You know what I mean? So, it took me all these years to get there, and I'm still, I'm still growing in the area. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's even in a number of different situations, just like processing it. Even with the situation with uh, Mr. Floyd, just don't jump out and don't go around social media, blah, 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 every word that, you know, because you know, we know when, you, when we respond, like, immediately, some things come out that we can't take back. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, if there was like an emoji right now, it would just be all the praise hands. Like, <laughs> like really, like it really would be. Because um, it's so true. And and I think it's just that understanding of just trying to remember. And it's like these things, being intentional is hard. Being intentional right. takes work. And to constantly, you know, think through, well, was this directed at me or why was this said to me? And you had brought up a really good point when we got a chance to chat earlier and just saying, you know, how we were discussing a ribbons on cars and, you know, me seeing a somebody's ribbon that's supporting childhood cancer or supporting MS doesn't invalidate or make me think they put that up there to make sure that I knew that they don't support EDS. Like it has nothing to do with that and it doesn't invalidate me in any way. Right. And it's just that whole thing thought process of, okay, well, why do we feel so offended by this? And is it actually about us? And the answer almost always is no. Right, 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 right. I got to be honest with you. There's some things I had to evaluate myself. But, you know, when you see things like, well, I don't don't think that was necessary. 
You know what I mean? You know, uh, why, why do they need to have this? At the same time, we're having this. Well, it doesn't take away from what we, I feel or what's important to me because someone else is doing something. When we do that, we make it all about us and not about the issue and not about the situation. You know what I mean? Because we want validation, then you do too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and for me to say, well, what you're going through doesn't matter. You ever hear people say, oh, that's nothing. What you're going through, that's nothing. I've been, I've been through worse. I, I don't have one ankle, but I had both of mine to break. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, uh, or, or, you know, uh, uh, yeah, they called you black, but guess what happened to my grandfather? I'm like, what does that have to do with what we're dealing with right now? Mm-hmm. And I understand them, they're trying to, they're trying to, you know, put themselves right in the, in, in the feelings, right in the, I know, Cassie, I know what you're dealing with. I, trust me on this. You know, I know, trust you. Come on, what? Trust you. Come on, give me a break. You know? And, and, you know, I think what you were saying about, like, you can't take back what you immediately say. When we immediately say something is, oh, it, one means we didn't listen. Right. And we were, we were reading, but also coming up with a response at the same time. Right, and right. We're definitely responding, thinking about ourselves when we respond so quickly. Mm-hmm. That's something where it's there. It's real. And the amount of times, like you said, that that's happened, it's just like, hmm. No, and it's not that doesn't matter. Like, I'm so sorry that happened, but this isn't the time or place for you to interject that immediately. And it's definitely like sitting and thinking and processing and not being tempted to say the first thing that comes out of her mouth because there's a big difference between righteous anger and anger. And Jesus displays that so beautifully in the New Testament if I am going to respond to somebody immediately on something that what I am not educated, I have not listened to hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And I have not consulted God on what I'm about to say. Cause Jesus was with God. He could say exactly that. Cause he's already had that conversation with God. Right. I'm not Jesus, which means I need time to say, not only have I thought about this, why do I feel right. the way that I feel, but is this what Jesus would say? If right. He- right now because if my anger isn't righteous then it's just anger right 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 wow that's a good point that's a sermon i want you (laughs) that's a sermon i want you to i want you to work on that and and, you know bring it all the way out homework i didn't ask for homework (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it i love how how you brought up the difference between righteous anger and basically foolish anger when the anger is not righteous you say when it comes out, it comes for the sin. You know what I mean? Because then you say things, you, you be like, oh, like, yeah, you already said it now. So, you know, and the person heard it. So it, it may affect them in such a way that they'd be like, oh, my God, now they hurt for a long time. Oh, my gosh, I didn't mean for it to come out like that. Well, you know, learning to like, before you say anything, process the entire conversation. I'm learning you don't have to respond to everything. I'm strolling through social media and I see some of the things that people say. I see some, you know, I see, you know, just, just today, there were things on there and I'm like, okay, my mind is saying, oh, you better say something, get them, get them, get them, because they have no right to say this. And my fingers are on the keyboard, but the Lord is speaking to my heart. This is absolutely not. You don't have to respond. You don't have to put yourself into every situation. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to do that to be who I made you to be a, a design for you to be. You know what I mean? And so that, you know, just like every individual that's going through something, I can show love by not saying something. If I say the wrong thing and they come out, then they're going to, you know, they're going to process process it 
the way that they perceive it. And I think that's so important. You know, one of the things that we always talk about on chronically cultivating is taking all these things that we've talked about because we want to make sure they go into action. Right. And I think it's safe to say, especially what you were just saying, you know, when we're on social media, we are allowed to take a break. We are allowed to mute people. The joy of social media is we don't have to follow anybody. When if you have someone and you know that it is just it is not the time and not the place, or they are harassing you on the other hand. Uh, I've kind of gone through the phrase of I'm going to bless you with a block. Um, and, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so, see, there's another one. <laughs> well, it did not come from me. It did not come from me. It was from another uh, Christian podcaster. I have to look it up to make sure I gave the right credit. Um, and she had just said, look, in this community, in this space, these are the things that are tolerated. And we have the same thing for currently cultivating. And so I've lately been embracing that look, if you, if there are just certain things that happen, I will bless you with a block. And that's what's going to happen. And I, th- I have been saying it all the time because I thought it was I love the greatest it. I love thing it. I've ever heard. <laughs> like that was the greatest thing I've ever heard. So I do want to make sure that people know in this podcast, you know, it is okay to say, I can't take this right now and I need to step back. Right. And right. it's exactly what you're saying. Not every single battle God is going to call you directly to fight. And it does right. not mean that we're all not fighting the ultimate battle, but ultimate we may battle, decide right. not to argue with Karen on Instagram. Right. You know, like that's kind of, I think, a piece of things. Right, right. And right. I don't know how you would, like, how, Pastor Tom, how would you like us as far as not even just a community, but as the Christian body of Christ? Mm. What are ways that we can take, you know, because we've talked about making sure that we know the significance of why Black Lives Matter. And until all lives matter, that we need to be looking at this. We've talked about well intentions, but not using sympathy in the way or connection that we hope. How is a way that we can best move forward? So for me, to uh, I liken it to a family. The family has four children. And understanding, the parents understanding that every single one of their children are different. They're not all the same. They don't all respond the same. Uh, they don't all behave the same. Because if it did, that'd be perfect. Like everybody do the same thing, same time. You know, it, it get annoying after a while, but <laughs> it will work for a little bit. So understanding for me, to, in order to understand all lives matter, then we must understand that individually we matter. Because you can't do the word all until we've addressed individually. Just like in the church, there are many members, but one body. Yeah. You know what I mean? So each part of our human body serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You could go down to our pinky finger. It serves every single thing that God gave us in our body serves a purpose. So every single one of us here in this life that God allowed us to be, we serve a purpose. And so in order to, for us to get to where the Lord is pleased, that we must understand that individually, until we can understand individually that all of us have purpose in God and through God, then the overall body of Christ will not benefit. Same thing in, 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 in this movement. Until we understand that black lives matter, because that's a portion that's missing. Mm-hmm. I was at a, 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 a rally the other day in Winchester, and the Spirit of the Lord just brought this to me just as plain as day. This is, well, 58 years later, we're talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's when Lyndon B. Johnson and Dr. King sat down and signed the Civil Rights Bill. And here we are today still talking about the same thing. Like, that says that we have a problem. 
you know, and I said this, I said to parents out there, I said, listen, if you have a kid and you've had this discussion with them at 15 and you still have it again at 30, and now they're 45, you still have that same discussion, that kid has a problem. And you need to admit that there is a problem. And I said, here we are all these years later, and we're still talking about, oh gosh, you know, uh, police brutality. We're still talking about uh, inequalities in education. We're still talking about uh, inequalities in housing and, and all of these things all these years later. So that says that the system, the systems that are in place are not designed for it to be equal or for it, for it to be equitable. And that's what we need to go back and to begin to address. So one of the things that we can do, you know, our brothers and sisters from the other race can do, is to say, wait a minute, let's peel back the layers and see at what point did this change where we should have said something. And because it, it's, it's like this, if you let that, that wound go on forever and you never treated it, and you never, you never addressed it, it never got cleaned out, uh, you just let it try to heal on its own and then you find out underneath there is infected. <laughs> you know, it never, it never, you never got the antiseptic, you never cleaned it out and things like that. And so now all of a sudden, now you're looking at risking, oh, it may have to be amputated <laughs> because it never got, it never got the treatment. It never got, uh, it never got addressed, you know, from when it was open. It never got addressed. So, and that's where we are. When the wound was open all these years, it never got addressed. So now, because it didn't get addressed, now God has opened the doors where there are people, I looked around at the uh, Fitchburg protest and 80% of the people that were there were Caucasian. With Black Lives Matter shirts on, with saying no justice, no peace. I mean, I, I looked around. I'm like, even if it's not real, it feels good, <laughs> you know, to see my brother crying out with me. You know, what I mean, and one of the things was our chief here in Fitchburg standing beside me and crying out and saying it has not been right, and we need to address it. You know, that, that that's it huge. Was, it was beautiful to watch. On oh my, gosh. I. I couldn't go to the protest and being, you know, compromised and, you know, try to figure that out. But I, I watched that and I had tears in my eyes and it was just this. Wow. Like, uh, like I loved you said it again and again, you were like here in Fitchburg, we're going to do it right. right. <laughs> and I was so, I was so proud to be watching and to be listening and to do that. So as friends, we close, I challenge you to, if there's one thing that you take away from this is listen. Please listen and know that if someone doesn't want to give you the resources, they are not obligated to, number one. But second, it really isn't probably about you. It's probably because you're the bajillionth person to message them. Use the resources you have. And I'm sure like I did today talking with Pastor Tom and I'm sure in time to come, if I'm researching and I'm looking at something and I say, I don't fully understand this detail of things. That's very different than me coming to him and asking him just a blanket question. Mm -hmm. And they're two different things. And we have so many resources in the show notes. I am going to have lots of resources for you to be able to go look at between books and other podcasts and all just any and other information that you can get to pull from this. And you said it perfectly. We're given two ears and one mouth. I hope that this podcast encourages all of you to take a stand, even if you're like me and you're in a wheelchair and you can't even physically stand, you can take a stand on where you feel on this. You can make a difference in the church. I really hope that is what pulls from this. I don't know if you have any final thoughts as well, Pastor Tom. I don't. You, you summed it up. You summed it up very, very well. And I'm taking that from this discussion as well, to listen more and 
not automatically assume uh, uh, where I think that you all, uh, Caucasian brothers and sisters, should feel. I want to make sure that, you know, I don't give you a blueprint. Well, you should do A, B, C, and D. Because some people are doing that, you know, 12 ways, you know, you can get involved. But 10 things you should do. Well, It's more than a blog post. Yeah, yeah that's why, yeah. Uh, I'm going to block you with that. I'm going to bless you with the block. <laughs> hey, it's a power we have. It's a power we have. There's right, right, right. It was like, I'm not arguing with you today. Like, in my mind, that was the in-person version of blessing you with a block. I'm very invested. I could go on and on about the bless you with a block thing because I'm fascinated by it and how Jesus handled things. But Pastor Tom, I would love for you to close us in prayer um, and just how we can further just work together and listen together because I firmly believe, yes, we need to still be talking. We need to have communications. Right. Not listening, then there's no point in talking. So that is my prayer that I would be praying over everyone that's listening to this and that this will inspire you to ask yourself the hard questions of how you've been involved. So I'll let you close this in prayer, Pastor Tom. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and we thank you for life, health, and strength. I thank you, Lord, for my dear sister, Cassie, and I thank you how, God, you have laid this ministry on her heart. And I pray that you will continue to bless her and that you will continue to give her wisdom and knowledge and understanding and, and, and give her awesome concepts and ideas that she may continue to bring your vision to pass. And now, God, I ask that you will continue to look upon us as a community, as a people. I pray that you will give us a heart that's after you, a heart that will please you. And I ask God that you will continue to bind us together with love, fellowship, and unity. And I thank you again for this awesome opportunity that you've given us. And those who are listening, I pray the blessings of the Lord upon you and your family. And whatever that you're dealing with, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will, will intervene and encourage you in such a way that God will get the glory. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This episode was brought to you by the Speaking to the Heart Podcast Network. If you would like the show notes for this episode or want to check out the other wonderful shows the network has to offer, feel free to head to speakingtotheheart.org. At Heritage Bank, we're working to strengthen communities by helping businesses stay in business. See how we can help yours. Visit heritagebanknw.com slash all of us or click the ad to learn more. Member FDIC. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help you support your kid's future career as a teacher. Uh, airplane driver? Um, no, their career as a hairstyle designer. As a dinosaur doctor? Oh, their future job as a windmill builder. No, an ice cream taster. You know what? We just don't know what they want to be yet. But while they figure it out and dream big, we're here to help you save for what comes next, whatever that may be. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com.